Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. This is Maxwell the Monster. Before we continue, please take a moment to rate this podcast and leave a review. We'd be very grateful. Thank you. This is a series delving deep into the past of a man who stole hundreds of millions of pounds from banks and pension funds to satisfy his insatiable desire to keep an opulent lifestyle of private jets, helicopters and football clubs. You said, what is my secret? I will let you and your viewers know what it is. I'm not attached to property. Consequently, losing or gaining it means nothing to me. Maxwell always claimed he escaped the Nazis and a likely death sentence before fleeing to Britain. But how much of that phenomenal story is true? Time to pick it apart with George Galloway and Ron Mackay for episode two of Maxwell the Monster. I mean, what we know for a fact is he did get the military cross, but what's generally not known is that he killed, shot down in cold blood, German surrendered officers and also executed the mayor of a town which had harboured Nazi soldiers? Well, I mean, I, I can't vouch uh, for the execution of unarmed uh, prisoners, though, of course, I know the story. I think we should grant him at least this. He was uh, a Jew from Central Europe. Millions of Jews had been massacred industrially massacred by the Nazis. So if he did, then I think I could understand why he did. Uh, I might have executed Nazi officers myself, to be perfectly frank. Uh, The bestiality of of the Nazis uh, is impossible to overstate. But uh, I think it's fair to say uh, that he fought uh, bravely as a very young person when he eventually did join uh, the armed resistance, though the history of how he got to that is almost certainly completely invented, we can say that there's enough evidence to say that he had fought bravely. Uh, of course, his name was not Robert Maxwell, as, the, as no. it will be obvious. No. In fact, he had several aliases yeah. before... I- he became Robert Maxwell. I think he was Ivan Dumouriez at that Dumouriez time. Dumouriez was his most famous yeah. nom de plume, but he yeah. had others. Yes, he did. Uh, and he posed as French, he posed as English. And I heard him say on Desert Island Discs with Michael Parkinson 
I re-listened to it quite recently, uh, that he arrived in England not speaking a word of English with the fleeing French forces. And he was taught English, he said, by a pretty girl in the back of a sweet shop. And within six to eight weeks, he said, he spoke English as well as he did now, he said. That cannot be true, but he did speak English with a real Churchillian boom. And he says that's because he used to listen to Churchill on the radio, even when he couldn't understand a word that he was saying. That's right. That's right. He credits Churchill as yeah. well, yeah. As teaching him teaching English. him English. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt that he, he was a he was a linguist and he picked up languages very yeah. quickly. I mean, he he claims to speak nine languages, which yeah. may be true, but he, I don't think it's true. But he certainly was multilingual. Certainly was. He, he invented uh, that nine languages uh, along with so many other things. It was hard to keep up with the lies of Robert mm. Maxwell. You may say that uh, industrialized lying uh, has run through like a leet motif. Uh, the whole Maxwell dynasty, maybe we'll get time to come to yeah. that. Uh, but he, as a person from uh, a remote part of what became Czechoslovakia and what had been earlier part of Poland and so on, uh, Ruthenia, it was known as. Mm. Uh, he undoubtedly could speak several Central European languages. Um, he fought with the French and picked up some French, and he, of course, not only fought with the British, but made his home in Britain. Let's go back then to your next set piece. Well, uh, all of this happened with such speed that is difficult to credit that it actually happened now. Seymour Hirsch, the Pulitzer Prize winning American journalist, had written a book about Robert Maxwell and about the Daily Mirror and its then foreign editor and its role in uh, intelligence matters, in its relationship to the Mossad in Israel, its uh, arms dealing, its, crucially for me, its role in betraying the whereabouts of Mordechai Venunu, the brave Israeli Jewish whistleblower who had revealed to the world the existence of more than 200 Israeli nuclear weapons in the Negev which had long been suspected, but no one who'd actually ever been there and taken pictures and made detailed drawings had ever emerged before. Uh, Hirsch wrote this book, and Maxwell took out legal injunctions against everyone from Hirsch to the publisher, to the distributor, and even to the retailers. Even John Menzies was injuncted. It was a big bookstore, big, big bookseller at the time. They were all, all booksellers were injuncted against selling this book. So what to do? Well, one Saturday night, I had a very small flat in Battersea, 
uh, on Battersea Rise, through my front door came an envelope, anonymously, hand-delivered on a Saturday night about 11 o'clock. I opened a brown envelope, I opened it, and inside was a chapter from Seymour Hersh's book. No covering note. The chapter revealed all the things I've just uh, adumbrated. As I said, the most important one to me being Vanunu. It alleged that Vanunu had first offered this story to the Daily Mirror, which had a big circulation, had a Jewish owner in Robert Maxwell, was something of a campaigning paper, not so much by then, but had in the 60s and 70s been a campaigning paper. So poor Vanunu thought, I'll take this to the Daily Mirror. And Hersh's book alleged that Maxwell had brought Vanunu in and had uh, appeared to be ready to publish and be most interested. Uh, but instead, according to Hirsch, had betrayed Vanunu's whereabouts to the Mossad. Vanunu was then honey-trapped by a blonde Israeli agent who went by the name of Cindy in Leicester Square at a funfair. They ended up back in Cindy's hotel room and Vanunu was never seen again for more than 20 years because he was, and this is not alleged, this is a fact, he was drugged, he was flown to Italy in a box in the hold, he was flown from Italy to Israel, he went on trial with his jaws wired together like Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs so that he couldn't speak. He wrote on his hand, I think something like kidnapped London or something like that, and held it up against the window of the prison vehicle. Uh, but we never heard from him again. He was held in solitary confinement for almost 20 years, then several more years, and even now he's not free to leave Israel. And of course, definitely not free to tell us anymore. Now, the story was published. Uh, Andrew Neal's Sunday Times published it. It still was a massive story, but perhaps not quite as big in British terms as it would have been if it had appeared in the Daily Mirror. So I've now got all this in my little flat in Battersea, and I'm a member of Parliament. The only person who could not be injuncted or sued by Robert Maxwell was a member of Parliament. Because then, as now, we are free under what's called parliamentary privilege to say what we like, to table what we like, and none of the words that we say or write can be the subject of legal action. A very important power for a member of parliament to have. So on the Monday, I go into the building and I table an early day motion which contains the main allegations made by Hirsch. And I then go in, funnily enough, 
again to the BBC Centre in White City. I think I was doing the Kilroy programme. Kilroy Silk had a chat show in the morning, panel, audience participation show, and I came out of there and people, people were taking my picture. I thought, what's this all about? I thought I'd made some terrible mistake, <laughs> which I did from time to time back in those days. I get into a taxi. The taxi driver says to me, you're in the news. And I say, what? What is it about? He says, Max, what? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And he throws into the back seat the front page of the Evening Standard, which had published in its entirety, all of my allegations, which they could do with impunity now because they were merely reporting on words that had been stated in Parliament under privilege, under legal protection. I get to the House of Commons, I go to the members' lobby. There was a board where people could leave you telephone messages or other messages. Uh, They were on pink slips. And my box was so full from all around the world uh, that they could put no more messages into it. And the attendant gave me a wad of pink slips like that. And I spent the next few days uh, returning those calls. The next day, Maxwell called in all of his editors. I know this because one of them, a very brave man called David Seymour, then the deputy editor of the Daily Mirror, testified by affidavit in my subsequent legal action that Maxwell said the immortal words, you can hear him booming it, piss all over Galloway, which all of his servile hacks then duly did. It's my only consolation that Maxwell probably stole their pensions. And the next morning, so that's two days later, every one of his papers, the Daily Mirror, then following the Sunday Mirror, the Sunday People, the Daily Record, then a few days later, the Sunday Mail in Scotland, even the European, which he then owned, all pissed over Galloway. And they accused me of being uh, lower than a louse, 
a scavenger in a dung heap, a friend of Arab terrorists. There was no insult that they spared. So I immediately issued a writ for libel against all of them. And just two weeks later, Robert Maxwell disappeared off his boat. And a couple of days after that, all of the journalists knew that everything I'd said and much more was true about Robert Maxwell. And these newspapers now had no defense, literally no defense in the libel actions. So I picked up rather a lot of money, Ron. <laughs> rather a lot of money. The Galloway wing in the house. Yeah, I mean, it built a wing on my house. It, it bought me a vintage uh, open-top Mercedes. He even, call me cheeky, I even bought a tranche of Daily Mirror shares with the money because the shares had plummeted <laughs> and I made a tidy profit on them also. So thanks very much, Mr. Maxwell. Well, before we go to the demise of Maxwell, let's go back to the allegations of him being a spy, an agent, a double or even yeah. a treble agent. Yeah. It seems that when he started, he was actually funded when he started Pergamon Press by MI6. Yes. Incredibly. He, through Hambro's bank. Through Hambro. Through Sir Charles Hambro. Yeah. Very closely linked to MI6. He, he was pointed to Hambro. You better be careful. They're only a few hundred yards from us. Yeah. <laughs> just through there and that's just that way. over there. It's that way. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's exactly what happened. He was yeah. introduced to Sir Because Charles. he was able to work and was willing to work behind the Iron Curtain. Sure. See, he was an agent, not just of the British, later the Americans, but of the Soviet Union. He had very close relations with the Soviet Union. He was one of the few... British businessman that was prepared to, uh, um, you know, rub shoulders with, play footy with the Soviet leaders and the leaders of the Eastern European countries then in the Soviet sphere. Uh, so he was a very useful agent for the West at that time. But his principal role in his last years was as an agent for Israel. This was demonstrated amply by the fact that a day after his demise, he was buried with full honors, full state honors on the Mount of Olives. We both visited his grave to make sure he didn't climb back out of it. Uh, but at the funeral was not just the Israeli prime minister, but all living previous prime minister. The president was the there. The president was there, the head of the Six Mossad. Six serving or former Mossad heads were there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if, if, if it had been an outlandish claim I had made that he was an agent of Mossad, that claim was amply vindicated just days later in his uh, funeral. And he had the perfect cover, at least to begin with, because Pergamon specialised in scientific documents, yeah. a lot of which, obviously not because of the war, hadn't been published. So he had the perfect excuse to go around the world talking to scientists, passing on information, meeting leaders of countries. Indeed, and he made his first fortune, although he actually ran it so recklessly that the British government held an inquiry into him and 
banned him from being a director of a public company, said he was not a fit and proper person to be the director of a public company. That, you might thought, should have been a warning to all those banks that lent him hundreds of millions of pounds sure. in subsequent decades, but it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, Pergamon Press, publisher of scientific material from Eastern Europe, from uh, the uh, German period under Nazism, which had never really seen the light of day, sure. built him quite a tidy empire. And then, fatefully, he went into newspapers. Yeah. What was, um, did you have any, after this libel case and the settlement mm. and the funeral, did you have any other contacts with the Maxwell family? Because subsequently, two of his sons were actually charged with fraud, but were acquitted. But were acquitted, yeah. Yeah. I, my the paths have crossed so many times, it's almost as if it's fated. Uh, a close friend of mine, I won't egregiously bring up her name, uh, became the live-in partner of one of Maxwell's sons and brought up his children. Uh, he had an enormous number of children. It may have been seven, nine, eight, or nine. 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 So my close friend, former close friend, became the partner of one of Maxwell's sons. And she brought up the grandsons of Robert Maxwell. And I, I saw her for the first time in decades, quite recently at a music festival. She's no longer with him, with a, an, an altogether more clean cut and wholesome chap. Uh, but neither she nor I mentioned the fact that she had brought up Robert Maxwell's grandsons, grandchildren. Um, and she subsequently appeared in Epstein's black book, as did some entirely innocent sure. people like her because of the connection to Ghislaine Maxwell having been the partner of Ghislaine's brother. So uh, there's no blame attached to her. Uh, from my point of view, about being in that black book. But uh, how's that for a coincidence? Um, <clears throat> truly remarkable. Uh, but I didn't meet the sons, no. Uh, but I took a close interest in the rise and rise of the Maxwell-Epstein crime family. Uh, and there's a lot of things that people don't know that I know. Uh, and I now our viewers and listeners know. Epstein, for a time, was an arms dealer in London, working in Robert Maxwell's suite of offices at Maxwell House in Holborn in London. Uh, this arms dealer took Epstein under his wing at the behest of Robert Maxwell. A lot of people think Ghislaine Maxwell bumped into Epstein sometime in New York. But in fact, she knew him from the period in which Epstein was working as an arms dealer in the Daily Mirror's headquarter building. Now, I think gone or owned by someone yes, else. Yes, it's been locked down. Um, Maxwell used to land on his helicopter on its roof. He used yeah. to miturate off the roof he did. of the building he did. just to show 
how powerful he was to uh, miturate on the poor uh, down below. Um, and, and Maxwell helped to bankroll with stolen money the beginning of uh, Epstein's empire because Epstein had been kicked out of Bear Stearns for breaches of the rules. You have to be pretty bad to be kicked out of Bear Stearns for breaching the rules, but Epstein was. That's how he had to go into exile in London. Uh, and he became, as I say, an arms dealer uh, working under the wing of Robert Maxwell and met Ghislaine then. And so after his demise, when Ghislaine Maxwell was looking for a new partner in crime. Well, Epstein was tailor-made. Next time, did Robert Maxwell jump or was he pushed? It could be that he went out to, as he did, miturate over the side of the boat or that someone boarded the boat on a dinghy off the Canary Islands and made sure that Robert Maxwell went to a watery grave. Uh, I'm with Ghislaine Maxwell in that I lean towards the murder. You've been listening to Maxwell the Monster with George Galloway and Ron Mackay. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.